So we're going to be in John 15 this evening, and we're kind of continuing this theme of resilient discipleship that you all have been going through. And so we'll be doing that from John 15 tonight. I don't know what kind of excitement was happening there, but it sounded really fun. Uh, So if you want to turn there, go ahead. But before we do that, I'm just going to pray and then tell you a little story. So, Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather together as your people as your children, as brothers and sisters with one another. God, we thank you that there's a space here, that there's an atmosphere and an environment here where we can come and we could sit and we could belong. God, where we could hear your word, where we could lift our voices to you and you hear us. God, where your spirit is present. Lord, we ask that we would we would sit in that this evening. But God, that also as we go from this place, we remember we continue to go in your presence. Your spirit remains with us. And so help us to remain in you. Lord, as we look at your word this afternoon, would you open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive whatever it is that you have for us. Lord, that we would, be, we would be transformed by the work you are doing. We ask this in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, to the glory of the Father, we pray. Amen. So one thing Kevin knows about me, uh, that maybe some of you do too, because he might have shared the story, is that I drive an 05 Tacoma with a busted fuel gauge, which means... Whenever I run out of gas, it's a surprise to me. Uh, It happened two times, and both times in the same exact location on my way. See, some of you, I could tell by your faces, Kevin shared this story with some of you. Uh, On the way to meet with Kevin and Charlie for our monthly elders meeting for Missio Day. In the same spot, like a mile from the exit of the 202 where I normally would get off to go to Kevin's house. So the first time it happened, it was the second day I owned this new to me truck. I had no idea about the fuel gauge problem. And so it looked like I had half a tank of gas and I'm cruising along and then it just stalls out on me. And I had no idea what was wrong. So Kevin and Kay came and picked me up and Charlie's like, hey, I know a great like mechanic. So we paid for a tow guy to come and pick up my truck and take it. And like $1,000 later, he was like, yeah, it was, it was this like issue with some kind of sensor and you're good to go now, right? <laughs> it was not. It was not that. So I never saw that $1,000 again, by the way. Uh, it, was, it was the fuel gauge thing. So I learned like, okay, I just hit that triple odometer. Every time I fill up, I got 200 miles. If I'm starting to get to 200 miles, it's time to go fill up again. Well, the second time that I was traveling out to Mesa to meet with Kevin and Charlie in the same location where my truck just failed on me, I decided, okay, I'm like 20 minutes early, it's a beautiful day out, and there's a gas station, according to my phone, a mile that way. So I'm just going to take a little walk. And I told myself this was because I needed the exercise, and it's a beautiful day, and it would be just a nice little time for me to you know, talk with the Lord and go for a stroll. But the reality is I did not want to call Kevin and Charlie and tell them I ran out of gas again. My pride got in the way. So I get out 
And I start making this walk along the access road, the off-ramp of the freeway. And while I'm taking this little walk, the sky started to get darker and darker. Like, it was a beautiful day. But while I'm walking, the clouds rolled in, and it just starts pouring on me. So I'm in my flip-flops and my shorts and my shirt, and I'm just trekking through the dirt on the side of the freeway, having a joyful time. And then I realize I can't just exit off of this thing like cars do. Like, there's this fence the route that I took, like twice my height, that I have to now climb over in order to get to the gas station. And I'm like, you know what? I'm still young and spry. What's 38 years? It's got nothing on me. I could do this, right? Haven't climbed a fence in a long time, so it sounded kind of adventurous and fun to me. So I start with my flip-flops on that are wet in the rain, climbing up this chain leak fence, and I made it. I made it to the top, and I go like this to grab a hold of it, and push myself up, and something sinks into the palm of my hand. A piece of metal from the fence. And right away I know this is not going to be good. But I'm committed now. i got to get over this thing. So I get my flip-flop up on there, and I jump over, and I stuck the landing. It was good. I didn't fall. I made it down, and I look at my hand, and there's like this hole in the palm of my hand. But no blood. And I was like, cool. I'm good. I keep walking. It starts throbbing. I look down, and suddenly now there's a pool of blood in my hand. It just it took a minute, right? I'm like, oh, this isn't good. So I make it to the Circle K. I walk into the Circle K, muddy, soaked, holding a palm of blood. But this is Circle K. The dude's not phased at all. He sees this all the time, right? So I look at him, I'm like, hey, do you got any Band-Aids? And he's like, no, we don't got those. I'm like, you liar. Yes, you do. So I go to the bathroom. I wash up. I, like, stick some paper towels onto there, and I'm just, like, holding it as tight as I can to try to put pressure on it, you know. I walk back out. I find a gas can, pay for it. I'm like, thanks a lot for your service. Go outside, fill up the gas can. I'm looking at it, and this, like, paper towel is just soaked now, red. I'm like, it's okay. I got my gas. Man, I'm still making good time, right? Get my full gas can, start to make the trek back, and then it dawns on me. I got to hop this fence again. But this time, with a handful of blood in one hand and a full gas can in the other. So I make it to the fence and I got to throw the gas can over the fence and do the same thing. I made it on time to my meeting, by the way. So points for that, right? Uh, But I share this story because I think sometimes it's just a really good illustration for what life feels like. Like, sometimes you're just going along, you're like, man, it's a beautiful day. Like, I'm feeling good about life, you know? Like, oh, there's an obstacle, there's a fence, but you're, like, kind of excited. Like, I'm ready to take this thing, you know? But sometimes life feels like the other side of that, too. Where you're coming back around, you're like, I've been here before, and I got cut last time here. And I still have the the pain and the blood to show of it. I remember this. This cut me last time, and I'm not sure I want to do that again. And you start to wonder, like, what what am I going to do? And so when Kevin asked me to talk about resilient discipleship, uh, this story came to my mind because I feel like that's what life is like a lot of times for us. And my hope and my prayer is that we would find some encouragement from the words of Jesus to his disciples 
right before he went to go and bleed and get cut on their behalf. And so if you would turn with me to John 15, I'm just going to read the first 11 verses for us right now. This is probably a familiar passage to many of us, but I want us to hear it with fresh ears. Jesus said this, and this was, by the way, uh, this, during this kind of last supper moment before Jesus would go to the cross. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. I'm going to pause right there, but these are the words of Jesus to his followers. These are good words. It's a good news message he's giving them. I think sometimes, though, we hear these words, and we immediately, if you're anything like me, I think just some part of humanity is like this, we immediately hear the warnings or the things that have a negative connotation, and we immediately go there. And we go, "Uh uh-oh, I better make sure I'm not that, right? Like, the ones that aren't producing fruit are cut off, and we go, oh, no, got to make sure that's not me. And we start frantically working to make sure we're producing fruit, don't we? Or, or we hear like they get thrown into the fire and we're like, uh-oh, that sounds bad. How do I ensure that I'm not part of that, right? And in doing that, we actually miss the whole point of what he's saying. We miss the very message how, how does Jesus say you will produce fruit? How does Jesus say you will be part with him? How, how does he say that you will actually find life, that you won't get cut off and thrown away into the fire, right? It's not from frantically moving around and trying to produce yourself. It's not from trying to do a lot of work so that you can ensure you are good enough. Jesus simply says, remain in me. And I think we need to start with that invitation. And we also need to start with this question of identity. Like, who is Jesus saying we are? 
in this illustration. And who is Jesus saying he is? Right away, he introduces three kind of characters in this garden, right? There's a, a gardener, there's the vine, and there's the branches. Now, who's the gardener? God is, right? His father is the gardener. Your, your translations might say, whatever you're reading from, might say the vine dresser, the one who is attending to the vine. The father is the gardener. Jesus spells it right out for us. Who's the vine? Jesus is, right? What are we? The branches. The branches. Now listen, a lot of times, I think what happens is we think, especially when we're serving in ministry, when we're trying to do good works, when we're trying to be on the mission of God that he's invited us into, when we're trying to share the love of Jesus and the message of the good news of the gospel, and we're trying to X, Y, Z, what we do is we kind of hop off of the vine for a moment, and we run around as if we were little assistant gardeners, Right? Don't worry, God, I, I got you. I'm going to come along and help you. Let me come and tend to this part over here, right? And I think this is so true for people who are in any kind of leadership position, but really, like, I think for Missio, this becomes so much even more true for just all of us because we're all serving in ministry in lots of different ways. And I think a lot of times we're like, okay, God, let me come and help you with the work you're doing as if he needed an assistant gardener to come and tend to his work. But the invitation here from Jesus, as he knows he's about to go to the cross, as he knows he's about to, after that, ascend into the heavens, and he knows that these men and women who have been following him are going to be kind of confused and trying to figure out how do they do this life now that Jesus invited them into when he's not physically walking alongside them. He doesn't say, here's how you perform. The invitation is, just be branches. Just allow me, the vine, to nourish you as the Father, the gardener, tends to us. Just stay. Abide. Remain. Be present here with me. That's the invitation. Just be branches. You don't have to hop off and try to do some work. Right? We get to just stay in the vine. The vine provides nourishment and life and affects the very fabric of who we are, our DNA. The branches become one with. If we were to fast forward into chapter 17, as Jesus is continuing, John does a good job of like really filling out this moment <laughs> at the table before Jesus is uh, taken away from the Roman guards. He fills out this moment of all this conversation. And if, if we were to fast forward chapter 17, Jesus has this prayer that his followers would be one with one another and that they would be one with him because he is one with the Father. And it's just like this, like, this conversation Jesus is having. And he keeps saying one with, one with over and over and over again that we would be so connected with Jesus who is so connected and one with the Father and that we would be filled and nourished and rest in that reality.
And that's the invitation here in John 15. Would you remain or abide? But what does that look like, right? And I actually love some feedback. Like, what do you guys think that means? In your translation, it may say this word abide. It may say remain as mine did. What does that mean to abide or remain in Jesus as our vine? Like, great analogy, nice garden language, cool. But what does that actually mean? What do you guys think? Time in the word. Yeah. Spending time in the word so we know the words of God. We know the story we live in. For sure. What else? Prayer. Yeah. And that, what was that? Loving our neighbor. Yeah, so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Return, come back continually. That was what we saw in the Old Testament with Israel, right? It was like they constantly would forget this God who rescued them. They'd turn away to other gods, other ways of life. They'd get in trouble. Then they'd call out to God again, right? And there would have to be this reminder, no, return back to God. And we are no different. What else? Yeah, practicing being aware of his presence. How do we do that? That's so good. But like, what does that look like, right? Yeah, turning off other distractions. Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything else, right? Like exercising a muscle, right? It's really difficult at the beginning and then gets easier the more you do it. Question for you guys. What do you do when it's quiet? What do you do when, like, you're kind of sitting by yourself? Or maybe you're sitting in a room full of a bunch of strangers. You're not sure how you would talk with them. Uh, What do you do when you start to feel kind of uneasy or anxious? What do you do? Yeah, yeah, you could turn and ask God. Okay, I love that. Now, this is the, this is like a room full of people who are like, I know the right answer, and that's the right answer, right? Like, you can talk to God. But like, seriously, what do you really do? If you're anything like me, you reach in here, and you pull this out, right? Like, anytime it's quiet, anytime you feel lonely, anytime you feel just a little uncomfortable, when, you, when you're sitting in a room with a bunch of people and you don't want to make eye contact with them, You go, I'm just going to check my messages here. Oh, what's happening on the gram? Okay, right? Like, here's the thing. On a very practical level, if you want to know what it looks like to abide in something, we all do it, right? We abide in our technology, don't we? Like, we, anytime there's something we just don't want to deal with, or we just don't know what to do. We go straight to these little devices in our pockets. We remain in these things. And I'm speaking for myself just as much, right? Like 
This is, this is, we've been trained to do that. And so on a very practical level, if you're like, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? Just start, the things that you would normally turn to this for, what does it look like to turn to Jesus in those moments instead? Like, ask that question. In those moments where I so quickly pick this up, ask yourself, why do I do that? And what would it look like for me to turn to Jesus right now instead? We know how to abide. We just need to practice, right? Practice, how'd you say that, Johanna? Practice acknowledging the presence of? Yeah, practice the presence of Jesus with us so that we can start to turn. Do you know that's what that word repentance means, right? To turn from abiding in other things so that we could turn to abide in the presence of Jesus who is always here with us and available. Like sometimes if I leave and forget my phone, we were actually just looking for my wife's phone earlier because she's like, oh, I don't have it. Like I, that doesn't happen to me because I walk out the door and I'm like, oh, got to go back. I, like I check for it right away and I feel uncomfortable if I don't have it in my pocket, right? Like do you guys ever feel that way? Like you feel kind of naked if you don't have it on you? But what would that look like to go, oh, no, 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 Jesus is always with me. And sometimes I forget. And in those moments, I start to feel maybe uncomfortable. But remember to practice the presence of the spirit of the living God is here, remaining with me. Now I get to remain with him. That word, whether it was abide or remain in your translation, is this uh, Greek word, shear. And it, it actually is very closely translated to the word remnant. And so when you look at like the people that God called to himself to create a nation out of so that they would be a light to the other nations in the Old Testament, the Israelites, uh, and they were not faithful to God, right? But God gave a promise that there would be a remnant of Israel, right? There would be a remnant of that. And Jesus himself born into Israel becomes the fulfillment of what they were supposed to be. This idea of abiding in or remaining in Jesus is to be faithful. I, I love Brittany said to come back to, to return, to be the remnant, to remain, stay in the presence of Jesus. Stay. That's it. That is your whole entire task as a follower of Jesus, Right? Wait a second, I, I thought I'm supposed to like serve over here. I'm supposed to like uh, make sure I'm discipling people. I'm supposed to feed people. Like, yes, 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 and amen. Do you know where that comes out of? Do you know where the power for that flows from? Your entire task is to remain in the presence of Jesus, and then he's the one who produces fruit. He says, the ones that aren't producing fruit, like, will get cut off. But even the ones that are producing fruit, I will prune so that they'll produce more fruit. He's ensuring that the fruit is happening. And he, what's really interesting to me is when he says this, when he says that uh, he will prune to produce more fruit, verse 3, he says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And it sounds like at first Jesus is mixing metaphors, right? Like, hold on, are we talking about branches being snipped and pruned? Or are we talking about cleaning someone up who's dirty? 
And it can get really kind of confusing, but the word for both of them is the same Greek word, kathiros. And in John 13, a couple chapters earlier, when Jesus goes to wash his disciples' feet, Peter, one of his followers, is like, hey, what are you doing? You can't do that. That's the job of a slave. I should be washing your feet. And Jesus responds with this profound statement like, hey, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter's like super zealous. He's like, all right, let's do this then. Don't just wash my feet, Jesus. Like, my whole body. And it's this really awkward moment for everyone sitting in the room, right? And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't get it. If you've already had a bath, then all you need is your feet to be cleaned. Now, in a very practical sense, this is what Jesus, I think, was saying. is like, hey, you already bathed today, but we just walked through some dirt roads where, like, all the animals do their business. Your feet are dirty. And in a practical sense, when you would come into a home in that time, it's like, okay, there'd be someone to clean those feet off so you don't track that into the entire household. But in a spiritual sense, I think what he's saying is this. I've already washed you. You are already clean. You are already welcome in. But sometimes, as you go through life, there's going to get some metaphorical gunk in between your toes. Right? And, and we need to continually come back to Jesus to wash that off. It doesn't mean your standing of being clean and righteous before God is any different. But sometimes the junk of life, it sticks to us as we walk through it, right? And he's saying, just stay with me. Keep coming to me and let me clean that from you. And so this same thing is being said in John 15. You've already been pruned. You've already been clean. You've already been uh, taken care of in a way where you will produce fruit now. But those who produce fruit, Jesus prunes so they'll continue to produce more fruit. Because as you continue to grow in a broken world, there's going to be all kinds of dirt that you're growing in. And he'll continue to work as a good gardener does. And I think what happens sometimes, one of those other reasons we hop off of that vine. So the first reason was like, we think maybe we got to go and help God, right? Be an assistant gardener. But I think sometimes some of the reasons is the junk of life feels like it's overwhelming, right? The junk of life feels like it's overtaking us. And we're like, I can't, I can't sit here in this anymore. And we think that if we hop off and we go somewhere else, maybe we can clean up ourselves. And Jesus' invitation is, no, 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 stay. Remain with me, and I will clean you. I will continue to prune you. I will continue to ensure that you are producing fruit. I love how when I just said, no, stay, like five people got up and left the room. I promise you it was unrelated, you guys. Stay here with me. I know that life gets difficult. I know there's gunk and dirt and grime that's sticking to you. Remember, my presence is here with you. Stay, I will clean you, right? This is Jesus' invitation. But I think sometimes also, the third reason why we might try to hop off of that vine and go try to do something else is because the pruning itself can be painful, can it? Like that word pruning, it means to clean. And that's kind of what you do if you have like an overgrown bush in your yard and you start kind of snipping away to trim it down. And that's not just for aesthetics. I mean, 
for the most part, that's how often we think about it. But the reality is like actually uh, to prune a tree or a bush or a plant is actually going to help it to grow healthier, right? Kind of like hair. I don't know much about that stuff. But if you have split ends, you got to cut that back so it can grow back healthier, right? That's what I've heard. And so pruning is the same thing. You actually, you're cleaning it up and you're cutting off like these thorns, you're cutting off these like extra leaves that are getting in the way and you're cutting off sometimes even like branches or you're cutting them back so that it can grow healthier, but you're cutting. That's how you clean that tree, that bush, that plant, you cut. And pruning itself can hurt, it can be painful, right? Sometimes the reality of us growing and maturing in what Jesus has called us into can be painful. And we're so willing to do it with so many other things in life, aren't we? Like any CrossFit nuts in here? I mean, CrossFit, uh, sorry, nuts is a bad. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not fun. I don't, I was just in uh, Ecuador last week visiting some friends and missionaries there we support. And he does CrossFit like a maniac. And it was 10,000 feet elevation. So I went to like two workouts with him and almost died at both of them. I don't know why I went back to the second one. But like it's not fun. It's painful. Working out is painful. And what you're doing is you actually break down muscles so they'll grow back stronger, right? And there's so many people who are like, okay, I can buy into that. That's, a, that's an investment I'm willing to make, right? Or like... Diet, right? I just eat whatever I want to eat, whatever's in front of me. But there's a lot of people who are like, okay, I, I know if I eat this, this is bad. And so they abstain from things and they, they stick to that path really well. Like we can be disciplined. Just like we can abide and remain in stuff. We know how to do it. We can be disciplined for the things that we feel are worth it, right? Jesus' invitation is my pruning is actually going to help you to flourish in the best way possible. My cleaning of you, it can be painful at times, but it will actually produce the best things in your life. Now listen, a lot of times when we get a picture of what it means to stay and remain in Jesus as he stays and remains with us, we often are looking at other branches around us thinking that that's part of the promise. And there is a sad reality that sometimes the things we have wrapped up into what it means to be with Jesus will leave. They'll change. They'll grow different or they'll get cut off. And that's painful. We're not promised that all the things we enjoy in life or that have been any good in life will remain with us. We are promised that Jesus will remain with us. We're promised that he will be ever present. And when he returns to his disciples after this whole thing goes down, after he goes and he gets cut on their behalf, he gets whipped, he gets beaten, he gets murdered, and he gets buried in a tomb. After all that happens, and then he miraculously returns, and he reveals himself to them, he gives them that very same promise again as he invites them to remain with him. We hear the Great Commission at the end of Matthew 28, and we think, like, here's a task for you to do. Here's how you go and produce some fruit, right? Go 
and make disciples. Okay, mission. That's my job. Remember, all this is flowing out of what he had previously told them. And then he follows it back up with that again. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. You're not called to go and perform, to go and do. There is work to do, yes. But all of that work flows out of all the fruit from that work will be produced by us simply practicing the presence. I'm still in your line. It's so good. And remaining in Jesus. And when we forget, what do we do? We return. And so a lot of the things you guys said, how do we remain? Are great ways to remind us to return, right? Prayer. The word. Community. And that when we see someone, a brother or sister, starting to hop off of that vine, we go, hey, and we call them back with love. Because you will only flourish and live fully right here. I don't mean right here in this room. I don't mean even right here, Missio, right? That's the reality. Is like even good things will go sometimes. There will be some day where Missio Day doesn't exist. But stay right here in the presence of Jesus and he will remain with you, and you will thrive. Amen? That's the only thing I I can offer for what it means to be a resilient disciple. Like, how do we continue when we go, I've been here before and I got cut? As we remember, we can still love people because Jesus first loved us. We remember we can actually handle this pruning because Jesus got cut on our behalf. And we remember that all the actual work was already accomplished by him. And so as we go to the table right now, that's one of the things we do to remember and to say we're returning to, we are coming back to the presence of Jesus. We remember the work is already finished and it's already done. And so in a moment, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to come up to the table and we will receive those elements of the bread and of the cup. And when we take that, we remember as we take the bread, Jesus' very body, as he came to be one with us, like, isn't that just astounding? The God over all things made himself a human to identify with humanity. He became one with us. And that body, that human body was broken on our behalf. And the blood spilled out from his side. And so as we take the cup, we remember his blood given for us. But we don't stop there, right? Like we take those elements, we remember the work accomplished, but we remember part of that work too was that on the third day he rose again. And we celebrate that death has now been defeated. And because not only did he come to identify and be one with us, but now he's made a way for us to be one with him. He remains with us, we remain with him, that we too can pass through death into the newness and the fullness of flourishing, fruit-producing life for eternity. And so when we take the bread and the cup, we don't just mourn death, we celebrate life, the fullness of it. So we're going to take that, and then we're going to continue to worship through singing one more song uh, before we're sent out of this place. And when we're sent out of this place, we're sent out, yes, as missionaries, 
but you're sent out with the vine, with the presence of Jesus, with his powerful spirit who he rose from the grave in, that power going with you. Amen? I'm going to pray and then I'll invite you up to the table. Father, we are grateful for your, your word to us that Jesus spoke to his disciples long ago and have been preserved for us to hear today. God, may we receive that same invitation to simply rest in you. Jesus, you said that your yoke is easy, your burden is light because you have done the work for us. May we simply rest in that. And God, as we do, may we be nourished, branches being fed through the vine so that we can participate in producing the fruit that you are doing. God, that we get to simply walk in the works you've already prepared beforehand ahead of time for us, as it says in Ephesians. That we get to love because we're first powered by the love you've given to us, as it says in John. God, would that be true of us? Help us to be branches. Help us to stay. Help us to remain in you. Feed us and nourish our souls and produce fruit in our lives. And God, as you do that and as you build your kingdom, may we see that happen and may we see it flourish here in Mesa and in Phoenix and throughout the valley and all over the world. Because we trust, Father, you are the good gardener at work and you are in control. We thank you, God. We love you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you come to the table as you're ready?